0: This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55am, Melbourne, Australia.
1: Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That
2: if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can
3: change.
4: Hi, welcome to the Beyond Zero Emissions Community Show. I'm Andy, I've got Vivian on the phone to tell us all about what's coming up tonight. Are you there, Viv?
2: Yes, Andy. How are you?
4: I'm well, thanks. How are you?
2: I'm good. This show tonight takes us back to um, the Sustainable Living Festival, and um, it was a talk by Bob Brown. And um, we didn't play it at the time, so I've been saving this up for a winter's evening. Awesome! And it's always it good like... to
4: hear from Bob Brown. Eh? Yeah, he
2: he he was really he's a really good, um, you know. Person who celebrates other people, he shows appreciation to other people. And just before we start, I'd like to say certainly that, who is, I always like to show appreciation for her because she listens in, even when she's in Paris, which is at the moment, ah, she'll be listening to this. And it's thank thank nice to, to know that it
4: spread so far. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. At least one person is right. It his <laughs> continents. But also, um, I'd like to thank Andy because you always, absolutely always turn up. You always do the job. You're very li- reliable. Thanks very much, Vivian. And so we're a little team here, but um, Bob Brown paid great attention to the fact that, you know, people need to be praised, need to be celebrated, need to be appreciated, and I think everyone listening knows that. We all like to be thanked, but often people forget when they're doing, especially like us, doing radio and voluntary work, campaigning, everyone's so focused on the goal, they forget to say, gee, thanks very much, or gee, you know, you went beyond the call of duty or something like that. It's it's,
4: Uh, it's such a team effort, the community radio.
2: That's right, the whole of three, CR and meanwhile, thank you very much to the RadioSong um, donors because I'll thank all of them the next week I'll give their names out but really thank you, we so appreciate it, we went way over our target ah, and it fantastic. just shows a great, yeah really g- very good sign of um, people wanting to hear more of what we've got to say and the kind of guests we bring and also the work of 3CR, we just want want more of it. So
4: People Powered Radio
2: Yeah, that's what it's called. But listen, tonight the listeners will hear Bob Brown at the Sustainable Living Festival. He's talking about the Tarkine campaign. And the Tarkine has an Aboriginal name, which is Tarkaina. And apparently 90% of it is intact. And it's one of the last truly wild places in the earth. But it's especially important for Aboriginal people Could their cultural landscape, you know, they need a whole landscape to remain intact and at the moment there are middens there which go back thousands and thousands of years, contain bones of Animals and fish that people would have eaten, so it's an archaeological record, and it's a sacred record for them. And at the moment, offshore vehicles are going on joy trips over and over the sand dunes and over these middens and crushing them. They're not protected at the moment, and the Bob Brown Foundation, one of their campaign objectives, is to protect all of that coastline. Yep. And but also, it's a, a window into our planet's ancient past. Eddie tells us. It's, um, uh, fossil records going back 65 million years. It's not many places in the world like that that are still no. pristine. Yeah. You know,
4: oh,
2: it's, and it's amazing
4: that, how they took care of the land.
2: That's right. They did. And now it's so easy to destroy it by just a bit of logging or mining. Yeah, and, um
4: within 200 years.
2: <laughs> oh, well, yeah, look at the great Australian, um, yeah, since Europeans have been here. That's a great... But, from a climate restoration point, because I've said all the shows this year, we're going to talk about restoration, you know, restoring systems, restoring forests, rivers, and the climate, hopefully. But from a climate restoration point of view, it's really important to keep those forests intact, because if they are threatened by logging or there are new mines proposed up there that uh, would contaminate the water, and Bob Dow mm-hmm. said the campaign... To save it will not be won in Tasmania, but Tasmanians do know about it, but it's all highly contested about logging. He said the whole of Australia needs to know about it. We need to visit it, but we also need to defend it as, you know, the defending Franklin ended mm-hmm. up being a political decision and he thinks it has to be an Australia-wide thing. He also pays tribute to other campaigns like, the, it's really interesting, he has a bit where he, and listeners won't know this, but he showed all these films and there was one scene. I, I, screamed out actually when I saw this it was the Sea Shepherd and you saw the Sea Shepherd ship squashed between two massive whaling ships mm-hmm. and they and they and the captain said, Go ahead, keep going and he was not gonna back off and they didn't back off and it's this awful moment, so you'll hear that, listeners, it's yeah, quite frightening I ice cream that <laughs> But um then he also talks about the Gundera environment group who are over in East Gippsland. They've been protecting the forest there from logging. They've had a few winds, but the logging's still going on. And he praised them. And he talked about Jane Goodall. He has got, uh, got the voice of Jane Goodall. You know, she's been mm-hmm. also doing huge work. And she, not, it's not just for primates, but for you know, a kind of world consciousness, world humanity, humane. You know, her humanity is very profound, and yeah. she speaks beautifully in this, That's in this a great legacy. Talk. Yeah, it's really lovely. And so they gave a standing ovation to Bob Brown, and and um, I think they really what they were giving a standing ovation to was the sort of positive message. You've got to be positive. It doesn't mean being stupidly Pollyanna. It just means. Be hopeful. Be encouraging. Encourage mm. each other. And it can keep... be
4: hard not to be cynical, can't it?
2: Oh, yes. <laughs> but but it's killing to be cynical and, yeah. and to be pessimistic. And, and you have to acknowledge if we keep saying, "Oh, nothing's happening," no one's doing anything. Well, the media would give you that impression. But mm. this is why I'm I'm wanting Bob Brown's talk to come across because um, he doesn't give. He's very conscious. I think as a doctor that you can get depressed, and then you get deactivated yeah. and, and and we need to encourage each other and show appreciation, that's the message. And then at about half past five we'll hear my full interview with Bob Brown, it was a conversation I had down by the Yarra, we have played a little bit of it during the year earlier but um, this is the full interview
3: oh, so. and it was
2: just before a by-election which I think was won by Jed Carney at the time but he warned us not to just listen to what a candidate said. you know, Jed Carney's a very, you know, a forward-thinking, progressive person. I'm sure she would say all the right things, but he said beware she's part of a party that's got a policy that's not as strong as it should be on climate and refugees and all of those other issues. So he he warns us that, and I think it's good that we mention it now, this is June, um, we may be facing a federal election. Someone ticked me off today, they said, oh, well, you know, we may have a federal election in September, so if we do, we need to, um, uh, you know, remember, listen to what Bob Brown says about elections. He's a very strong believer in democracy. I'm starting to feel very cynical about democracy being really quite corrupted, but he checked me and said, no, no, you have to, it's the best we, you have to believe in strength and don't vote for people with policies that are mediocre and yeah. destructive.
4: Oh, that sounds really great. Sounds like a great show. I
2: think, yeah, I think listeners will like it. And please, as usual, listeners, give us some feedback. And even better, listeners, please support the groups that we hear about on this program, the Bob Brown Foundation and their Takaina campaign. They need a global audience, an Australia-wide audience and uh, supporters. You can just email them and ask how to help. And the Goongara Environment Group, which is working so hard to protect Victorian forests over in Gippsland. And, uh, they, they also need helpers. They take people on forest tours apparently and camping trips occasionally. So you, if you get involved with that, that, that's real, yeah, real involvement.
4: Yeah, it sounds fantastic. It does. All right. Well, shall we get the show underway?
2: Yes, and just one more thing, Andy. Before uh, also, listeners, please support Beyond Zero Emissions. You know, we have discussion groups as well as reports published all the time, and uh, please look up the Beyond Zero Emissions website to see all the other things we do. Because we, our work underpins a lot of climate action. It's not really a campaigning group, but it's uh, a research group that underpins the excellent campaigns that are happening around Australia.
4: Great. All right. Well, I'll play that interview and we'll get underway. Thanks, Vivian. Thanks,
2: Andy.
1: Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. It's great to be here. Great to be following Emma and with Jenny and Samina and all of you who breathe the air of, who survive on the sustenance of, who were born out of this amazing little planet Earth which so far as we know is the only one in the, amongst the billions in the universe which has life, which has uh, evolved or created an intelligence and from that a spirit uh, which relates to itself but which allows us to also arrogate to ourselves the ability to alter that which carefully nurtured us into existence, and that we have to be beware of. And one of the things that strikes me being in Melbourne at the moment, there's a launch going on in the seat of Batman today, and I won't get political, is this. 100,000 Melbournians there have an opportunity to vote for or against the planet. Beware a government that doesn't stand a candidate because they know they will lose in an election where the biggest issue is the uh, horrendous, earth-threatening Adani coal mine in Queensland. (laughs) Beware and do not labour under the impression that if a candidate says he or she is opposed to the mine but the party's in favour of it, That Voting for that candidate will stop it. It won't. The party will prevail. Make sure, in voting for the planet, and who of us shouldn't, to vote for those people who have a record of and are committed to saving it, which in this case means stopping a mine so big but if you stand on one end of it when it's completed, the hole in the ground will be so big you can't see the crater edge on the other side because it will be beyond the horizon, which is so big that the coal burnt out of it will more than double Australia's greenhouse gas emissions on a planet in which the Great Barrier Reef, just across the way, is half dead. And as one Mexican reef expert explained to us quite recently, will, if we keep doing what we're doing, be like the ruins of Carthage. Piles of fallen white in the ocean in our lifetimes. I'm one for celebrating the planet. I think we should celebrate it because if we don't, we'll lose it. And besides, celebrating is fun. But democracy is a celebration of the expression, not just of the money in pockets, but our spiritual connection with this planet, with all our fellow creatures and those who come after us. And if we don't have that as a priority, we're failing, not just the planet, but our own spirit. Speaking of which, I too honour the Coulomb Nation and the hundreds of millions of Indigenous people on this planet, whose connection with the planet is vital for us so that we can get back to our own remembering roots. But as Paul Hawken in his great talk from this podium yesterday pointed out, still have custodianship of land on this planet which if honoured will save hundreds of billions of tonnes of carbon going into the atmosphere. Just by honouring the Indigenous people who are left on their lands on our planet now. Something we can all do. We can all honour ourselves by ensuring that in this richest nation in terms of dollars in pocket ever to exist on the face of the planet. That's us Australians in 2018. We have the richest resource base. We tie for Switzerland according to income on average as the wealthiest people ever to have existed on this planet. Well, the challenge is what do we do with that relative wealth and comfort? And I know there's a spread of degrees and unfairness and inequality in every society on this planet and something we must always work to overcome. But what do we do with that wealth, with our democracy, with our freedom relative to other people on the planet? One thing I know about it is it's no good looking at the trajectory of we 8 billion people We were two and a half billion when I came onto the planet in 1944. And consumerism and the darkness, the sheer illogical unsustainability of growth economics and getting depressed. We've got a choice here. We get angry about it. If you're intelligent, and as Bertrand Russell said, the trouble with the world is that the stupid are cocksure and the intelligent are full of self-doubt. Well, if you fall into the second category of being intelligent, it is natural that you will get angry with the inequalities, the cruelties, the needless human hate and destruction, which is there abroad on the news we hear every day. If you suppress your anger, you'll get depressed. If you convert your anger into action, you'll be happy. That's the difference. Don't get depressed, get active. And amongst the people that inspire me with that action are the defenders of the forest right here in Victoria. Their action is inspiring to those of us who want to see a world with activists. We've got Ed from Gecko, from East East Gippsland, and I'm mindful of the Great Forest National Park. How daft that a city of five million environmentalists has on its northern doorstep logging in the 1% of natural mountain ash forests, the tallest forest ever to be on the planet, one measured at 150 metres in the 1870s. That tops all the sequoias, all the great redwoods, all the great forests of Tassie, it's gone now. But there are others growing to take its place. And whether they are logged to the north and east of this city depends on the five million people in Melbourne and how they vote and what they say to governments. It's as simple as that in a working democracy. And I take my hat off To those who, in defiance of laws brought in, to have them carted off to jail, go and make a stand in these forests. And I've got a short film here from Ed.
5: We're looking for greater gliders here because we know that there's a high density of greater gliders, which are a protected species. We've found several greater gliders in this area that just that we're standing in right now, but they're logging um, in the area just over there. So we're out here having a look at this forest and trying to see if we can find more than 10 greater gliders um, or, a, or a high density of greater gliders that will trigger legal protection of this area. Unfortunately the logging just, just over there has been going on for a couple of weeks already. Some areas of greater glider habitat have been impacted on and there's been no attempt by the government or big forests to actually look for these species that are protected by law but they're just logging their habitat anyway without bothering to look. So this area of forest is scheduled for logging. We're inside a proposed big forest logging coop. The reason why we have high density population of greater gliders in this forest is because of all these large old trees that have hollows in them and provide really good habitat. And it's these large old trees um, that are vanishing from the landscape because of big forest logging operations. Eucalypt trees like this take over 120, sometimes up to 150 years for hollows to form and once a ho- once hollows form they become suitable habitat for species that Uh, Require hollows to sleep in, like the greater glider. So large, old trees like this, that are hundreds of years old, that have uh, that have got lots of hollows in them and great habitat. They're like living apartment blocks. Um, You know, from the mosses and ferns that are growing at their base, and a whole host of small plants that are growing off them, right up to the possums and the gliders and the owls uh, and other birds and cockatoos and parrots that are that are living in there. They're, they're like a an apartment block just full of life at different stages from the ground right up to the top of the canopy mm-hmm.
1: We were asleep and they saved that little of forest by being with the greater gliders and the sooty owls and the lead possum in the night. What a beautiful phenomenon it is to be alive on a planet in which that curl on our ear is there to allow us to hear the faintest sound off the forest floor. to do with us being part of, not separated from, but part of the natural planet which gives us everything we have, and which can go without us, but we can't go without it. But it's got its problems. And I draw upon the wisdom of an octogenarian, the wonderful Jane Goodall, to just go through for a few minutes what the situation is here on planet Earth with this biggest herd of mammals, we human beings, ever to graze off its decreasing commons.
0: Very often people say to me, but if this little insect disappears surely it doesn't make any difference does it matter and the thing is that everything is interconnected and that little insect might be the major food source of some other creature who then might disappear as well and so it goes on with this interrelationship we call it biodiversity I like to call it the web of life all the strands forming a beautiful pattern and that pattern is being destroyed Here are all these problems which we've inflicted on the planet. And it brings me back to the sort of really important question. I've talked a lot about similarities in humans and chimpanzees, but clearly we're different. I mean, look, here we are, and you're listening to my words, and I'm telling you things you may not want to hear them, but I'm saying them and you understand them. And the biggest difference, I believe, between us and chimpanzees is this explosive development of our intellect. I mean, chimpanzees can do things we thought uh, that was impossible, but we just created a rocket a few years ago, which went all the way up to Mars, the red planet, and out came a little robot. And that little robot is still crawling around years later, taking photographs for scientists on planet Earth to see what it looks like up there. That's extraordinary. When I was a child, it would have been science fiction. But we've done it. So the question is, how is it possible that the most intellectual creature that's ever walked on planet Earth is destroying its only home? We're destroying Mother Earth so fast. Do you think perhaps we've lost wisdom? The wisdom that some indigenous people showed making a decision based on how will this affect our people generations ahead. Are we too often making decisions based on how will this help me now or the next shareholders meeting or my next political campaign? Is there a disconnect between this incredibly clever brain and the human heart, love and compassion? And I truly feel that we can only achieve our true human potential, which is huge if we have harmony between head and heart. It's not a bit surprising to me that as I was traveling around the world, I met many young people who seemed not to have much hope for the future. And many of them were angry. Some of them were violent. A lot of them were depressed. Most were just apathetic, didn't really seem to care much about anything. And when I asked them why they were feeling like this, they all said more or less the same. You've compromised our future and there's nothing we can do about it. We have compromised your future. When I see small children, I feel so ashamed and angry and and, and desperate when I think how we've harmed the planet since I was that age. But is it true there's nothing that can be done? There are many biologists who will tell you so, but I'm not alone in saying we have a window of time, a window to start changing the direction, but it depends on changing attitudes, and if we could just get a critical mass of us who start to think about the consequences of the little choices we make each day, what we buy... What we wear, what we eat, how was it made, did it harm the environment, did it involve cruelty to animals or people, child slave labor, this kind of thing. And I think most people, even though they've become aware, do nothing because they feel useless and helpless and hopeless. They tell me so. So we just have to get it through to our thick heads that what we do as an individual certainly in the big scheme of things doesn't make a difference but what we do collectively as billions of human beings making the right ethical choices that's going to move us in the right direction if our young people lose hope we may as well give up let's learn to live in peace and harmony first of all with each other between religions and cultures gosh we have a long way to go don't we Um, but but also between us and mother nature Because if we go on exploiting Mother Nature the way we are now, then all will be in vain. Each and every one of us makes a difference each and every day. And we have a choice. What kind of difference are we going to make?
1: Yeah, thank you, Jane Goodall, for the inspiration. And the Jane Goodall stall is along here at the Sustainable Living Festival for people who want to see more of this remarkable human being who gives us the key to the fact, gosh, we've got a long way to go, she says, but, yes, we can change it. So, gosh, we've got a long way to go, but we can get there. That's the important thing. And one of the ways is by saying to our politicians, what are you doing about that whaling fleet killing these whales? 200 of them were pregnant by the way, pregnant females last year. What are you doing about that? Here's a very short clip from founder of Sea Shepherd, Paul Watson, about standing firm in the face of adversity. Thank you, Emma. This is two years ago off Antarctica with the Japanese whaling fleet coming in and the little much smaller ships of Sea Shepherd going down to intervene between them the, the huge factory ship and a, and a refueling ship coming from Korea to give it fuel so it could keep its bloody business. I
6: think business that the, uh, the district court injunction uh, emboldened the, uh, the whalers and they were much more aggressive this year. I think that they felt they could do whatever they wanted and they had the backing of both the Japanese government and the U.S. courts. The sea ship is in the foreground there. In the past, an Ishamaru has tried to uh, hit us, but uh, we've been able to get, certainly get out of their way. But this time, we were holding our positions to prevent the refueling. And so, um, you know, they, I think they were initially, they probably thought they could bluff us and we just move aside. And then when we didn't, they were in a position where they uh, just carried on and hit, hit the vessels. Is the Ishamaru about to ram the Sea Shepherd ship because it's getting in the way? I think that uh, an 8,000-ton vessel uh, striking a 500-ton vessel and pushing it into a 5,000-ton vessel uh, creates a, a very dangerous uh, situation. The Bob Barker was almost capsized uh, because the Nijamaru was pushing it over to such a degree. A few more minutes it probably would have capsized. That would have been an extremely serious situation. I don't think the Japanese captain. In all of these campaigns, the crew are under the uh, understanding that uh, there are inherent dangers, that we're not just saying we're coming down here to risk our lives, to protect the whales. We actually are risking our lives to protect the whales. And when putting our ships in a position to block their operations, we mean that we're there to block their operations. Now, there's no point in saying you're going to stand fast if you move out of the way at the last moment. If you're going to say you're going to stand fast, then you stand fast.
1: But where is the Navy, the Australian Navy, a customs vessel down there to intervene now on what is this bloody progress process of illegally skewering those defenceless whales to the south? It's taken over by so many products. Well, do you know, Forestry Tasmania has just changed its name. This destroyer of the tallest flowering plants on earth and the habitat of a whole rich range of rare and endangered creatures, including the critically endangered globally, swift parrot, the fastest parrot on earth, down to less than a thousand breeding pairs, Forestry Tasmania has changed its name to Sustainable Timber Tasmania. We call it Sus Timber Tasmania, for short. So beware the greenwash, but we're all able to do that. What we maybe aren't all able to do and which again I take my hat off to is join those people who today as we're sitting here are up the trees in the Tarkine Forest in northwest Tasmania to prevent logging. Go you defenders of our planet. And one of them is Lisa Searle. She's a young doctor. But I'm going to try and now talk to Lisa to see how she's going there in the sumac forest which is due to be logged, except she's in the way. Thank you, Jenny. If you dial her up, we'll see if we can get hold of her. Because it's very isolated out there. It's threatening. You don't know who's coming in the night to burn the tree down. It's subject to all sorts of weather and bushfires. These are courageous, brave defenders of the planet. They're also up the trees in the Frankland River. Good, Lisa, I've got hundreds of lovely people here in Melbourne who just gave you a big round of applause <laughs> and your fellow defenders there. Lisa, how is it up that tree in the sumac at the moment?
7: It's pretty amazing up here at the moment. So where I am is sitting about 30 metres up in a tree in the sumac forest, so an area right in the heart of the Tarkine. Um, It's pretty windy up here so I apologise if there's a bit of background noise but there's a lot of wind whistling through the trees and the tree I'm up in is moving around quite a bit at the moment which is a little bit nerve wracking Um, and I'm listening to the forest around me, there's black cockatoos, there's wedge-tailed eagles flying by um green rosellas and down below me i can see a whole heap of leatherwood trees in flower which is absolutely beautiful
1: thank you lisa you know you might have a lot of wind there and moving around but there's a lot more of that in canberra than you'll ever find in the tarkine forest and and one of our one of our things we must do as with the victorian forests is get our politicians to take note. so all of us as a result of today write to our local federal MP and say, we're with Lisa up the forest in the Tarkine. You've got to stop that logging because they have the powers to. This should be world heritage. This Tarkine should be returned to whom, Lisa? The
7: Tarkine should be returned to the rightful custodians of this land, which is the Tasmanian Aboriginal people. And the whole area should be declared a national park. So we've been camped out here for three weeks now. Um, Last year we were here for five months. Um, we are just desperately waiting for that message to come through, that the Tarkine's been given permanent protection. But until that message does come through, and while these forests are still threatened, we will be here on the ground, on the front line, doing whatever we can to protect these forests and to stop the deforestation of the Tarkine.
1: Thanks, Lisa. You're a real earth doctor. <laughs> <laughs> the Tarkine's there for us to save. And we have a right and say, no, we want this forest, because what's happened is that the Tarkine now is the big jobs and economic generator for the future, not mined, not logged, not with four wheel drive ripping down through the Aboriginal heritage of the rich Tarkina country on the coastland, but protected for a world with more people than ever and fewer spaces in which we can recover our soul and be inspired and have adventure And make contact back with our Earth, with Mother Earth, if you like, with this planet Earth, so that we find ourselves, so that our children can find their selves. Because once you cut the origins to where you come from, once you cut the origins to your own ancestry, you become that much more lost. And we're a planet of eight billion people, which is lost, but needs to be found. And the best way we can find ourselves, ladies and gentlemen, is by celebrating this planet and becoming active for it. I'd like to show you, due to the amazing photography of Rob Blakers, a few little more shots of why you're welcome to the Tarkine, and to the East Gippsland, and to the Yarra Ranges, to the forest nearer here. This is the biggest, the Tarkine is the biggest temperate rainforest in Australia, and of course the nearest great rainforest to Melbourne. It's Melbourne's forest, not just a Tasmanian forest, not just one for the local region like the Franklin, it belongs not just to us in Tasmania, not just to Australia, not just to the planet of eight billion people, but to all our fellow creatures. And in serving their protection, we serve the interests of protecting our own spirits. And is that something we want to nurture in every human being who comes onto the planet? And part of what Lisa's doing is trying to protect those forests upon which Astocops is ghouly, the biggest freshwater crayfish on the planet, Powder Blue, they grow to two metres in length, up to six kilograms in weight, and they're threatened with extinction. And what are our governments, which we vote for, doing? They're pressing on the accelerator. And sus... Timber Tasmania is logging them for Taran and the Malaysian billionaires, and we vote for a tax break, or we vote for some uh, local pothole improvement program. Important as that is, we have to think about this, and we have to know that all of us can become active for saving the forests of Victoria, the forests of Tasmania, and as part of that saving this stupendous little planet which we have to celebrate, take action for and pass on the better for us being here. More important, I think, is getting to our politicians and say, if you won't cross the floor on that, if you won't stop that, you'll never get my vote again. You know, my old dad was a liberal voter and a policeman. That's why I'm so good. And he would voted liberal all his life. But blood's thicker than water. And I think this about the planet. And the night I was arrested on the Franklin before three weeks in jail, way back there in 82, my mother said he got up from the couch. I was worried about what he'd think about his son breaking the law. He went and got the writing pad and pen out of the cabinet and he wrote to then Prime Minister Fraser and said, anybody who puts a son on, a hand on a son of mine is finished. I'll never vote for you again. Well, let's say to some of our politicians anybody who puts a hand on the Tarkine or to turn the side on the Adani mine or to destroy the forests of Gippsland or where we should have the Great Forest National Park and so much more I'll be going very shortly out to the coast near Warrnambool where the current Minister for the Environment is licensing horses pounding up and down the beach they can train elsewhere but those hooded plovers on the verge of extinction and this is their best breeding place get trampled to death by this process. Here we got ministers for the environment solely commonly selling out the environment. And I've been asked across to, to the next golf course in South Australia to destroy orange-bellied parrot habitat. Later, what a surprise this morning. We had, had breakfast with Paul Hawke, and Paul and I did. And down there at the bottom end of Little Burke Street, this magnificent painting of an orange-bellied parrot. Please go and see it if you haven't. It's in the last block, just before Spencer Street on the right, a fantastic testimony. But you know what? Paul and I went out to count orange-bellied parrots in southwest Tasmania. They're one of only two migratory species on Earth. They migrate between here, the Melbourne environment where they overwinter, especially out there at Werribee, right along the Bass Coast and the South Australian coast. And there were 35. They are so close to extinction. This summer, 14 returned and three of them were female. Three nesting pairs left on the planet. And I've written to Josh Frydenberg and said, please give the people, the scientists who know about this a million dollars a year for five years to like the Californian condor or the Lord Howe wood hen, turn it round. No reply at all. At least he knows. He can't say he didn't know about that. Well, there ladies and gentlemen is, is an option I'm just very, very happy that you've been able to hear from Lisa, that the words of Jane Goodall can resound on this side of the planet through modern technology to to us all, that we've got people up the trees and ready to make a stand in East Gippsland, in the Tarkine and so many other, and in the, uh, the Galilee Basin in North Queensland. As I get older, I get happier. One of the things I'm very keen on is celebrating this planet. We're extremely privileged in this country. We can do it more easily and more readily than anybody else. We're just so lucky. We're able to do one thing which will save us from depression, and that's take action for our planet Earth. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen.
3: Gets lost in translation Let it fade Let it fade in dense population Say that a heart tends resignation.
8: Listening to 3CR I have with me someone who's not afraid of leadership and everyone's calling out for leadership these days. Dr Bob Brown is the former leader of the Greens Party in Federal Parliament and a veteran of campaigns, many of them. Uh, for example, saving the Franklin River in Tasmania and trying to stop whaling with the Sea Shepherd in the Southern Oceans. His Bob Brown Foundation is now defending the Tarkine Forest, known by Indigenous people as Tarkaina, and they want permanent World Heritage listing and a return to Aboriginal ownership. So, Bob, welcome to the show. I'd like to explore the connection between keeping the old forests in place and giving sort of secure land tenure to Indigenous people.
1: Well, uh, Vivian, the old forests were kept in place for thousands of years under the custodianship of Aboriginal Australians and in the case of the Tarkine Aboriginal Tasmanians, the Tarkina people lived along the coastline there and these forests uh, have flourished and they go right back to the age of the dinosaurs. Uh, The dinosaurs were chomping away at those same trees as we have now 65 million years ago. The Aboriginal people have been there for tens of thousands of years a long, we come in the last 200 years and have started logging, and, and not, I mean, of course, all over Australia, but its remoteness and uh, the distance from mills and so on kept the Tarkine rainforest, and they were after eucalypts, but this is pure rainforest, intact. Now they're going in to get the eucalypts on the perimeter and 159 coupes, that's areas the size of a football field, are targeted with logging burning to eradicate not just the forest but all the wildlife in them as they're doing in East Gippsland and as they're doing in the ranges north of Melbourne. We as the richest country in the world should stop that. There is no point to it. It is not as if we're depending on that for toilet paper or for writing paper. That's baloney. We've got millions of hectares of plantations in Australia which supply all our wood needs. This destruction of forests is profitable for a very few people, and then it's only profitable if the taxpayers are forced to subsidise it. Our taxpayer subsidies become their profits, and that's weak politicians in the meantime, and we've got to stop voting for the parties that support propping up this destruction.
8: Paul Hawkins said in his book that one of the drawdown strategies that was sort of most has most potential was in fact to protect indigenous people's rights, not just forest people. I mean I've heard about it in the Amazon. Some of those people have really been fighting a rearguard action against uh, cattle plantations just encroaching on the forest, but also rangeland nomadic people, indigenous people are protecting landscapes all over the world and giving them back tenure, he said, was one of the most um, potent ways of drawing down carbon. And I, I was recently in Malaysia and I was shocked to see these massive logs, you know, massive, massive logs, driving, being driven down the roads, pouring rain as red mud just bled down from the hills where there are now palm oil plantations. And I met people from, I think it was a socialist party there, who were going to jail just like you have been before going to jail with the Orang Asli people who are the indigenous and it's the same fight all over the world and I mean keeping those forests intact it seems on the global scale these local battles dramatize it for us but on a global scale what can you see in the way of moving it towards just indigenous people's rights to manage them?
1: Well Paul Hawkins pointed that out hundreds of millions of tons of carbon are being kept out of the atmosphere and therefore protecting the living environment of the planet for all of us because indigenous people manage their lands without uh, the destruction that we've brought to them. My foundation, I and Jenny Weber, our campaign manager and others, have been across to Sarawak and seen the destruction there. On the other hand, the uh, Labor Party in Tasmania paid $22 million to have a huge forest destruction company to, and come to Tasmania and set up and they're now wanting wood out of the Tarkine Forest, so they've become part of the problem but the intermediaries are people that most people, are, this is, are politicians that most people have voted for and if we keep voting for that, we get the outcome we are working hand in hand with Aboriginal people in Tasmania to get back the Tarkine it's just 7% of the island but it is extraordinarily important for them spiritually and uh, for the keeping alive of their culture as well as their connections with the past. We're working on that together.
8: She spoke to the audience just now, not to despair to be active, to vote differently. But I think a lot of... There have been sessions at this festival also saying, well, democracy itself is threatened. People have lost trust in democracy. I think they've lost trust in the media. And now it's become very feral, really. Who, who do you trust? And, and, and what are the see, institutions I that are Vivian, solid? I,
1: I just don't agree with that. I do agree with Churchill that... Uh, and not on everything by any mm. means, but on the fact that democracy, with all its faults, is better than whatever else we have, oh. which is either anarchy or we're still dictatorships. I'm not, not saying it's it not, weird.
8: but it's just the form we've got now. Well, it doesn't seem to be because
1: working. Each, it's because we as a community, the greater number of people mm. out there, are voting for the destruction of the planet, eyes wide open, because they want a tax return from the same people who want to destroy their environmental commons. Mm. But as I said in this Sustainable Living Festival talk, don't despair about that. Mm. Look what's happened in the last 100 years. Whoever 100 years ago, or a little more, mm. w- well, a 100 years ago in Britain would have thought women would ever get the vote. They were right on the outer. This was an idea whose time had not come. Well, it came very fast, and it came because they kicked up a fuss about it and stood their ground on it. Same with equal marriage in this country. Talking to um, mm. activists just 15 years ago they said no, we can't change that it's just the, the time's not here. Mm. Well we have changed it mm. because people became knowledgeable about it, engaged in it. Now it is the, the safety of the planet and in particular in this wealthiest country on earth, the environmental commons which is fundamental rock, solid Foundation of our existence on this planet mm. is not guaranteed by us. Nobody else is going to do it. The exploiters will have a field day. That's why I went to the High Court last year with Jessica Hoyt to challenge the new tough environmental laws which were out of kilter in Tasmania so that good environmentalists were being arrested and, and threatened with ten years mm. or four years jail. We, we have to take this on and celebrating the planet is mm. the starting point. If we give way to... Uh, depression. If we suppress our anger about mm. what's going on, we'll be in trouble. But if we convert that anger into action, even if it's just giving to activist environmental groups, very important that you can see they are taking action. I, I began my talk here with looking at the gecko and the environmental groups out in East Gippsland who are prepared mm. and uh, to get out there at night to be, to be threatened by arrest and have protected areas where the greater glider, this fabulous animal, which is otherwise headed to extinction, are they've they've actually saved ground by Mm. being there. Mm. Now, who wouldn't want to support that? You know, we can enjoy life on this beautiful planet, but ultimately it's self-defeating if we allow the beauty of the planet to be destroyed in our lifetimes.
8: Yeah. So we've talked a lot about environment, as in forests, seas, whales, you know, like... The natural environment there 's also in climate change the problem of fossil fuels, and there 's still a huge battle going on in Australia for new coal mines in New South Wales, for example, and you mentioned Adani in Queensland and all of that galilee basin and there 's still a possibility that that will be mined, and some of it 's in the most beautiful farmland i 've just recently been up to the Hunter Valley, for example, and this pristine valley called bylong Valley hasn 't been dug yet, yes, but it's,
3: that, uh, have you been
8: there mm-hmm. and it 's owned nearly completely by it 's a ghost town it 's owned by the mine. Um, I also went to Woollah where there's four families, four houses that are inhabited and the rest is owned by the mine and they have been taken to court and the New South Wales laws are still draconian. I don't think, Uh, you know, they were hoping that your court case in the High Court would sort of shelter them but it's... Being postponed now till June, Bev Smiles is, stands to have seven seven years imprisonment. I hope she doesn't That's get it. That's because
1: people voted Labor or Liberal,
8: yeah.
1: that uh, and National Party, yeah. and and you can't disconnect those things. No. And if people keep voting for that. Then good-hearted people like Bev Smiles. Well, mm. what a fa- fabulous patriotic Australian mm. thinking about the future of this country, faced with draconian penalties. Because people keep voting for parties that bring that anti-community, anti-environmental legislation in at the behest of the big corporations with whom they sup and have dinner. We're going to be very, very serious about voting at every election, at every level, if we're going to save this planet. Electing a Green to join Adam Bant in the National Parliament here would be a huge statement. Uh, will people do that? Or will they give in to local... And and beware the candidate who says, I'm opposed to Adani, even though my party isn't. Mm. The Labor Party 100% requires people to abide by its vote on the floor of Parliament. Mm. And so I saw saw while I was in the Senate people Mm. who were opposed to mistreatment of asylum seekers in the public arena, Mm. time and time again, vote for that mistreatment. Mm. Same with Adani. And we must here require that the party, not just the candidate, but Mm. the party be opposed. Big question here on Bill Shorten, will he change and become opposed to the Adani mine and and the consequent threats you get from locals in Queensland who Mm. want the gravy train to keep going at the destruction of jobs in their own region on the Barrier Reef? Thousands Mm. of jobs at stake Mm. there. It's daft, Mm. but there it is. So uh, here's Melbourne's opportunity to make a great contribution towards ending coal being exported or burnt in this country Mm. and towards that clean future, sustainable future, so possible, coming anyway, (laughs) but which we can bring about much faster, as Paul Hawken explained at this sustainable living festival with his great book, Drawdown.
8: Let's move to New Zealand. The Greens in New Zealand are planning, or they, what are they proposing, to sort of destock quite a bit. And it's not really for climate change, it's more to save the runoff into the rivers, I believe. They're, you know, they're very dependent on dairy, they're big dairy exporter, but they, they see the writing on the wall, and I've brought with me up meatless meat. You can buy these in the supermarket. They don't look very as appetizing to me, but... It
1: looks pretty good to me.
8: Well, it's meant to be a totally low cholesterol and all of that, but these meatless meats and milkless milks, you know, are starting to take over, and apparently... They've seen the writing on the wall in New Zealand and they're making plans, you know, to have alternatives. But in Australia, we don't really have much alternative to grazing land. You know, we, we grow beef and sheep on land that you can't grow crops on. We don't have the rainfall for it. So we're a big exporter of meat as well. Is that going to become our new coal eventually, do you think? Or
1: I think more or more it will. But, you, you know, uh, again, uh, I'm not vegan. I just was bailed up no. by a very good uh, woman who is vegan mm. and... Um, got accused of not doing enough but if you, the fact is if you try to be find perfection, and I said to her life is full of imperfections and we can be tough on on each other and ourselves, but if you take that road you end up not being active about what's going on on the planet but afraid to walk down the footpath in case you tread on an ant now we have to uh, levy our own ability here but the, I think we're all moving in that direction. I take my hat off to the campaigners who are making that move happen. Mm. It is very, very important. But, uh, but along with that, of course, we need... And animals aren't going to be moved off the agenda in my lifetime. Mm. Uh, but the move against the past cruelties mm. that we are utilised in the farming of animals is mm. a great thing. It's a gr- Because it, it's good for us to mm. know that... We don't live on a system that depends upon cruelty. Mm. We're all moving in the right direction there, and we all have to do the best we can by that. But thinking about it, and you having Mm. this two vegan schnitzels (laughs) in your bag shows that. Now, that wouldn't have happened 10 years or 20 years ago. What a good positive direction towards not just celebrating this planet but taking action for it
8: Uh, i'll let you go in a minute bob but just the last one people asked you about the media defending the abc and all of that paul hawker was very strong on communicating differently about climate change and as i'm always interviewing people about climate change i don't think i preach the gloom and doom i think i do always find these marvelous people innovative people and i can see loads of green shoots everywhere whether it's kelp in the oceans, you know, sequestering carbon, loads of things, and these new farmers with rotational grazing and all kind of innovations there. So I see lots of green shoots, but it's not really in the media. What do you think we can do about that?
1: Well, actually, I do think it's in the media, and this Sustainable uh, Living Festival here in Melbourne... Paul Hawkins said, there's nothing like it in America. We, n- we need to stop every now and then and just think about how well we are going. Uh, yeah, the media, uh, we're in an age of uh, consumerism and um, the capital ruling and the big corporations ruling, but, uh, you know, it's got cobbles on it because it simply can't survive. And the question is whether we intelligently are going to change course. Or do it post-catastrophe? I'm I'm in favour of uh, changing course and celebrating it, celebrating the planet we're on, mm. and what we can do about it uh, as living human beings for a short time in our own lifetimes is very, very important to that. Uh, in that, and again, look at the changes that we were thought impossible just a, a few decades or a few centuries ago. Uh, we can change this it will take a change of global mindset but it's the Paul Hawkins of the world and the Jane Goodalls who are going uh, you know who are making that change come uh, I'm full of hope for the future uh, life life's long it's good people should look after themselves they should have a good time while they're at it but give their due to the planet and that begins with celebrating it because if we don't celebrate it we'll lose it
8: it's a very clear message. So that's Dr Bob Brown talking to us beside the YARA with a helicopter accompaniment. Beyond Zero Emissions is a not-for-profit research and education organisation. We design blueprints for a zero emissions economy. As climate change action becomes an emergency, leaders will use these well-researched plans that show a transition is possible from a 19th century fossil fuel-based economy with its climate-changing emissions to a zero-emissions 21st century. Check out our website for reports on zero-emissions energy, zero-emissions exports and industry, zero-emissions transport, zero-emissions buildings and zero-emissions land use. Podcasts of our shows contain a who's who of Community Action and Climate Solutions. They're all available on the web at bze.org.au. We'd love your ideas for this show, so contact us at radio team at bze.org.au or even write to us, care of Radio 3CR, 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, Victoria. You can make that attention, BZE Radio.